you're listening to On The Road, a podcast powered by Otto Car. So welcome to On The Road, our first ever podcast. We're super excited here to get started. Uh, we're going to be discussing everything from the drivers to the operators and everything in between. This week, our first topic is the life of a private hire driver. And to discuss this, we've brought in Gig Guy London and Cabby 007, who are both private hire drivers and YouTube personalities here in London. Gig Guy London, uh, we thought that it could actually be a nice place to kick it off just by asking you uh, how your journey's been so far from being a private hire driver to obviously making the, the videos that you do now on YouTube. Um, it's been an interesting journey. I initially started putting information online just to share my story and to help others um, along their journey if the journey took them into the private hire industry. And um, I went to um, share my experiences and also uh, suggestions and assist others who were maybe having difficulties with application forms or um, just getting into self-employment and the rigmaroles and hiccups, hills and valleys around that. That's amazing. Um, and the stuff that you produce really seems to speak to what a lot of people want to hear and also what they kind of need to hear in this industry. So it's genuinely inspirational stuff. And Cabby007, I guess it's a similar question to you. You've been in this industry for a long time. Do you imagine when you first started out that you would be producing videos like these and in many ways becoming such an influential voice in the industry as you have? Uh, no, influential, I'm not sure if I'm quite there yet. Um, I do the videos for fun and I've made no uh, bones about it that it's to be monetized so it can support my journey. Um, I've had 20 years of uh, private hire industry experience uh, but I stopped in 2011 uh, and coming back into the industry now is completely different to the industry that I left in 2011. Um, coming this time round, everyone's blogging and vlogging, uh, so I thought I'd show my journey and try and inspire others, because uh, I have two journeys that I'm doing as a, a private hire driver, and also someone that's doing the knowledge to become a London taxi driver. So I wanted to document that from start to finish. And I guess that kind of leads on to um, one of the topics we wanted to cover, which is exactly about your journey. What were your initial expectations of um, entering the private hire industry and how do you feel that the career in itself has actually lived up to what you initially thought it would be? What is, is now of 20, 2019 or was when I first come into the industry? From when you first entered to, to how it is now and, and what you've become and, and what you understand about the, the industry. So the in when I was thinking about coming back into the industry um, I noticed that Uber had came, I, I was a passenger, my son introduced me to Uber as a, as a passenger uh, two years before I even thought about coming back into the industry. Um, and I researched Addison Lee, because I worked for Addison Lee for 14 years previously, um, and I wanted to maybe go back to them, uh, but then on doing research and finding that the, the industry had changed, Addison Lee had been sold to a different company. Um, and. I started looking on YouTube myself for information. Initially, I come against Uber uh, with uh, videos. Of, there's a lot, quite a lot of guys doing what me and Gig Guy do, do here in London, but, uh, in America. They do a lot of YouTube videos and vlogging. 
So I got my, my initial um, research from them, and then I found the gig guy London. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, and we, we met up, and he, yeah, he was very open. He actually opened his phone up and was very open and showed me how he was earning, and that sort of reinforced what, what I'd, uh, what I'd uh, found out. Um, so then I thought about, okay, well, if I go back into it, why not vlog it? Everyone's doing it. So that, that was my idea of uh, getting back into it, because gig guy was already doing it. Really, I just stole his idea. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, from from our side as well, we you know been following you guys for quite a while. So it's been great to see you got your kind of journey from a pretty kind of small following to what it is today, and how you kind of expanded and how you're kind of engaging with uh, private hire drivers. So it's been kind of fascinating to watch, and obviously that's why we're now kind of on board with you guys as official YouTube partners as well. So like, long may it continue. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And I mean, about the private, um, getting into the career of private hire, and driving in itself, how easy did you find it was to get started? When I first heard about Uber, um, I signed up as a passenger, and I got the passenger app like many other people, as um, Cabby007 just explained, and um, I was looking for some additional income to supplement my full-time job, so I took some... Um, random Uber journeys and was quizzing drivers about their potential earnings and, and just about the job and the um, pitfalls and uh, yeah just how much money they are going to earn realistically on a day-to-day -day basis and it wasn't very fruitful uh, lots of drivers didn't really give me any information the majority of drivers didn't want to talk to me and uh, I literally went off the recommendation of one driver who gave me sufficient information um, and off the back of that I started my journey, um, I saved some money, I took out a loan and I filled out the TFL application form and uh, started, the, um, started applying for my license to drive in London as a private hire driver and the rest is um, online. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there to see. It's all there to see. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was um, it's a lack of information um, which helped me to kind of start my journey and um, the reason why I'm here and the reason why I'm sharing my story today. And obviously you guys in your own ways have become that kind of tool and resource for people that are looking to enter the industry. Um, do you think that there are other things out there that people could look at um, just to get a better kind of flavour of what they're getting into? I think we cover quite a lot on between both of our channels. We don't we don't talk about what we're going to be putting out on video. Um, we don't discuss anything like we do collaborations. Um, but I think with stuff that we put out, it's quite diversely different. Um, so you'll you'll get some, something different from Gig Guy. You'll get something different from me. But over both of them, you'll get quite in depth knowledge into the current private hire industry with Uber and other apps because we both work for other apps as well it's not just Uber Uber is the main one at the moment but who's to say in the future if that's going to be the case Do you find that there's the kind of same types of questions being asked to you guys about joining the industry or is it the same kind of things over and over again Yeah I get a lot of questions like how to join um, should I join how much are you earning I've been pretty open I've, on Instagram and, and YouTube, I show exactly how much I'm earning. I break it down for people exactly as well because there's a lot of myths out there. Mm -hmm. You hear a lot of uh, the uh, the unions say that these guys are earning minimum wage, and yeah, you're all earning minimum wage if you're lazy. 
but if you want to put the hours in and you learn you're still earning good money you know it's not as good money as a black cab driver mm-hmm. but you know they got the meter they got a big they got a more expenses than a, a private hire driver it's a easier entry and a cheaper entry to get into the industry um, but you know I'm inspiring drivers to, to come in as a private hire driver but then move on to become a taxi driver and mm-hmm. I've, I've got quite a good feedback from that at the moment yeah because you're inspired quite a few your situation is quite unique isn't it because of the fact that you're a private hire driver at the moment, looking to do it for a couple of years and then move over to the kind of black hub industry yeah. after that. Yeah, so it's definitely a kind of interesting uh, And in the past, aspect. like over that 20 years, I'd worked for, a, a, not just Addison, I'd worked for Brunel uh, when they were a real chauffeuring company in the area, about 20, 30 cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for TriStar. So I've done chauffeuring, uh, I've done private hire, a mini cab when I first come into the industry. You just go get a car, go to the office, show them your hire reward mm-hmm. receipt and you're off and running. It was cowboy time, really. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you must have seen it change so much from how it's moved right. from having a controller who dictates who gets the jobs to obviously yeah. now where it's basically an, an algorithm which decides that. Having to buy the uh, the controller a packet of fags and a bottle of whiskey, yeah, it was a regular occurrence. Okay, but, okay. Uh, Inter- interesting. Yeah, but from where it was, and Addison Lee at the time, you know, was the, was the peak uh, when I, when I left, before I left. Um, and as a private hire driver, it would be the best you went to Addison Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you know coming back in 2018 is like completely changed. I mean, the minimum fare when I was it was eleven pounds, and now we're down to five. Um, uh, so the industry's changed quite a bit, but some for, some for the good, some for the bad. I mean, like Addison Lee, you you'd be waiting around for, for jobs, but the, the fares were higher. Hmm. Now the fares are lower, but you're pretty much bang bang all the time. Talking about how. Uh the industry in general, obviously, flexibility is a key kind of uh, benefit that always gets kind of bashed around. And for yourself, uh, Gig Guy London, obviously, you work part time as an Uber dro- Uber partner, sorry, but yes. also you have a, a second job outside of that. So how does that, how's that kind of work for you? And has it worked for you? Actually, is a pretty question uh, I'm asking. Yes. So four years in, I'm uh, still in the private hire industry. Um, I'm still using it to supplement my income. Initially, I um, started um, driving as a private hire driver to to save. I wanted to buy some property buy some property in London. And um, even with a full-time job, um, it's an uphill task and it would have taken many years, but being able to earn additional money in my free time, um, as and when I see fit, to do as many hours or as few hours as I wanted to, um, it's just seemed like an ideal solution uh, to my needs. Instead of me um, working somewhere else um, in social services, which is um, my main line of work, and doing eight hour shifts and then having a tax man take all of all of my money without having to having the option to offset any any um any of my costs or my travel costs or anything else um, it didn't really seem feasible and having my tax codes change and the tax man taking a, a bigger lump um, it wasn't really viable for me to be doing a lot of overtime whereas um, doing private hire work I'm able to um, offset um, a lot of the costs that I incur um, driving my personal car, um, which I, which I bought. Yeah, I bought the car and I paid it, paid off for it within well, just over just over a year. Yeah, about fifteen months I paid for the car. Um, so I have no um, week to week or month to month car costs, and that works absolutely well. So any um, major costs I've got to cover on a yearly basis is just my insurance costs and just the running costs and maintenance costs of the vehicle. Which, which vehicle is it out of interest? Oh, I've got a classic um, Toyota Prius. What else, eh? What <laughs> else? <laughs> <laughs> the icon of the industry. Indeed, indeed. For now, for now. Maybe not yeah. so in the future. 
Well, yeah, I mean, um, talking the future, that is something we're, we're looking at, talking about in the next uh, few episodes around electric cars and how that affects uh, the industry and how it affects uh, guys like yourself. Um, so, yeah, we'll be looking at that shortly. And Cabby 007, that's uh, something that you're going to be looking at as well. Looking yeah. Looking at the key era. I was um, looking at these changes. I mean, part of my four-year four journey was always to go to uh, Autocar, and rent. I'm just saying that. It's, just, it's a fact that um, it was in part of my business plan was to go to do a rent to buy, and Autocar is the, the forefront at the, at the moment. Um, I did initially go to Splend, um, but they don't do, they don't do rent to buy. Um, their initial entry into the industry, if you want a brand new car, is is cheaper, um, but the mileage cap is is too aggressive. So, um, and then I had a meeting with uh, Otto Carr and was given the opportunity to go forward with the e-Nero uh, with the congestion charge changing. It just was a, it was a great time. To, I was lucky to get in early uh, and get, get that uh, car sorted. So just waiting for delivery and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. And we're going to be doing a series uh, with Otto Carr. And also I'm going to do my own series day to day, like I currently do with my earnings and stuff like that and the journey of... Uh, been an electric car owner. Yeah, awesome. We look forward to it. Should be yours. Awesome. I'm really looking good. forward to it. I'm just hoping I've got enough range. You'll get the range. Don't <laughs> worry. It's more. It's more than this. <laughs> um, I thought it was quite interesting what you were saying, like as well that you're not only affiliated with Uber, and obviously that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm quite interested to know if you guys um, have any kind of recommendations of operating companies for people that might be looking uh, for something else um, on the side. I've always said that every driver, it, it, it's, you feel more self-employed now this, in, this, in, in 2019 than ever before. Every driver should not have just one app. Right. They should have multiple apps as you can. At the moment, the only real options we have at the moment is Uber, Viavan and MyWhip. They're the three that are operational currently. The only thing that problems with my whip is that their app's not working correctly. Not they've not done a full launch. Viavan is not got enough work. Um, some of the the operations that they do is not really good enough for a, a full time driver. They've got no uh, driver cancellation, no waiting time. Driver's time is uh, paramount. You know, you're out there, you want to earn money. You don't be driving around for nothing. And if you've got to run ten minutes to a job. And there's no one there, and then you've wasted your time. You're not getting paid for it. So that's th- some things I need to improve on. Now with Uber, one of my guys in my WhatsApp group had a, had a claim against him, and now he's been suspended for a week. That is one thing that Uber needs to speed up on because the, he's, these guys, he just he just got a car from Autocar and rent to buy. Um, now he's been suspended for a week. So far, you know, we're still waiting for him to get um, back on the road. When, he get, when stuff like that happens, it should be faster. So that's why I say, and I say to every driver, whether it's a base company, an airport transfer company, because I've done airport transfer since joining uh, um, this year, uh, but it didn't work out for me because the, um, the the rates were too too low. But there is, there's options out there to have a backup, just in case, because Uber is the king at the moment. But like I say, over the course of this year, we might end up at the end of 2019 with six apps in London. Mm. Um, so it's, but by, by being a self-employed driver, you can put your fingers in different pies and that way anything that happens on the road, you should be able to keep going 
Um, so that, I've, I've always said that. You, yeah. And gig guys on the Byron as well. Yeah, so um, just to reiterate what um, Cabby 007 was saying, um, it is essential as a self-employed driver to um, have um, more than one operator. Um, as, a, as a private hire um, license holder, you can join as many or as few um, operators as you desire. Um, at the moment, um, I not only work with Uber, um, but I also work with Viavan and I work with an airport transfer company as well. And um, uh, the thing with traditional um, minicab companies is there can be a lot of dead miles. And um, obviously, as Cabby007 said, Uber at the moment is king and you can literally turn the app on anywhere and there's a job um, probably within uh, know, three to eight minutes away. So I, at times, um, use um, the operator that provides me with um, airport transfers and I will um, Uber around until I get to that area and I'll do my airport job and I can switch the Uber and the Viavan app on thereafter and I can also um, just maximize my time on the road and that seems to work really well for me. Um, as, as a driver, um, you're limited to what you can do. Um, you are driving, but you do need to concentrate on the road and you will get tired after some time and it does take a lot of adjusting to get used to that. When I first started driving um, for doing private hire work, I'll do like three hours and I was ready to go to bed. So it does take a lot of adjustment and um, you may have to make some changes in your life to kind of accommodate those changes. And um, so you can spend more time on the road and be more alert on the road. Can I just there about drive time? Go for it. Because drive time, uh, I get quite a few questions about drive time. Some people don't understand how drive time works. Um, the 10 hour limit is on trip. So it's from the time you get allocated to pick up to drop off. And some people might see that I, on some of my videos, I've done quite long hours, 14 hour shifts. That's not constant driving. And also I always make sure that I stop for a coffee. I go for a comfort break. And it's very important that you do that. You know, when you see on my channel that I've done 14 hours, that's not me doing 14 hours bang, bang every job. Mm -hmm. That would be too dangerous. You know, and if, if you do have an accident and they do look back at your record, then you've got to show that you've logged off for half an hour and gone for a break. You know, you've got, you've got to show that you've been a bit more responsible. I've said in my videos that if I feel tired, regardless of how much I've earned, I go home because it's just too dangerous. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, safety is obviously a huge thing. and Because even, even though it's a 10-hour limit, that can stretch out to 14, 15 hours. You know, on some days, if it's been a bit quiet, on, on good days, I mean, you want to be doing a 10-hour because, you know, you've been, if, you've done, if you've done your 10 hours limit in 10 hours, you've had a good day. You've had a very good day. You've had a very good day. <laughs> You know, uh, so it's very important that people do take breaks. Do you guys know of any stories of people that maybe took it a little bit too far? Um, worked, overworked, and. No, not recently. I mean, in the past, I mean, uh, I've been on the motorway um, working back in the day when you had to do airports and you'd run back to the bay. Like, like Giga was saying, you work for a base company, you know, you run back, try and get the next job, you're trying to earn a certain amount of money, you've been up all night. And the old head's ducking down, you know, but I'm 52 now, so I'm very conscious about making sure that I'm on the road. 
you you got to be responsible because at the end of the day you got other people's lives in your hands and everything nowadays is recorded like we got Autocar we got their 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 uh, CCTV in the car I got my own CCTV that I use as my dash cam in the car everything's recorded there's so many cameras around you've got to be responsible yeah. you know there's no point trying to do 24 hour shifts it's, you know, it's just not you know you, at the moment there was chat about that you could do one app and then do another app you know but if the police find out you're doing that sort of stuff you know, you're just putting yourself into danger and into criminal, criminal um, retaliation from the police this is something that actually we kind of myself and uh, well, Autocar and, and Giga London touched on in the past regarding kind of um, taking a break every you know a couple of hours you know having a coffee having you know having some water and keeping hydrated and it's something that maybe because drivers might be chasing the money so much they might this might become not a priority for them at the time so I think one I think one of the things for drivers that's really really annoying is finding the toilet yeah yeah and there's a few apps out for that though there is there is a few well, out I, you don't need that I just think you know there's so many McDonald's around that's what I do <laughs> I just jump into McDonald's and you, you just Hope, hopefully, no, hopefully no one from McDonald's yeah. is listening to this. <laughs> yeah, so. well, unless you're buying food, that is. Then oh, that's fine. <laughs> well, I always buy coffee. Yeah, great coffee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cheap as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my classic. After yeah, a six, six cup, it's free. So, uh, yeah, but like I say, you, um, pop into McDonald's, uh, you can use the loo, um, and it, that's, the, that's your opportunity to have, to have a break, you know. But, uh, but you know, to, to find a loo during the day can be difficult, but I don't. You, you hear stories of people using bottles and stuff like that. I mean, I would never do that. I don't understand people doing that. No, it was a bit of bad rep in the past uh, with some Uber partners, uh, Heathrow, which I think was a yes. bit of an issue a few years ago. Not so much this anymore, because obviously there's the kind of the PCO car park, as we call it, yes. uh, at, at Heathrow, which has kind of stopped that issue from happening. So it's good to see that the operators are trying to, and, and the government regulations are getting on board and trying to kind of fix these issues so that residents aren't complaining about the private hire industry. The great thing that Uber has done there is the rematch. I love the rematch at the airport. I mean, I, I'm, I've, even in my old days at Addison Lee, I never used to go and sit and park at Heathrow. Heathrow. It was just too much time wasting. Whereas now, you, you get a job out, not, I don't know about you, but nine times out of ten, I'm getting a rematch back, which is great. Yeah, high utilisation rates, that's exactly what it's all about. Yeah, um, yeah prior to um, uh, Uber introducing the rematches, um, I would not wait at the airport. Um, if, um, if I did drop off, I'll be... Um, out of the airport straight away and to the nearest busy town or busy place and um, looking for my next job but obviously dropping off at the major airports now there's usually a possibility of a rematch um, depending on what time you go you're more likely to get, get them um, usually after 7am um, you can get yourself a rematch um, at the major airports uh, but if you don't get one um, some drivers choose to sit around and wait and um, others um, choose to move to past is new uh, but it's nice to have that option to kind of double up your money uh, if you get an airport job you, why, are those drivers, face. why are those drivers at three o'clock in the morning sitting at Heathrow I'll go ask them <laughs> <laughs> no nothing stopping you do you guys personally have a preferred time that you like to do your shifts okay um, as I said um, on some of my videos um, I prefer to do the mornings um, getting up and getting on the road by half past four five in the morning and then by the time you get to like 10 o'clock, just after the rush hour, um, you're probably on your first 100 pounds, uh, typically, and you can get quite lucky in the mornings. Um, there's long jobs into the city to go to train stations, and also 
airports and people moving around really quickly. And um, before before um, like six o'clock, transport services are pretty limited in London anyway, so people will tend to travel further at those times. So um, you can get the best of everything. And also bearing in mind, uh, in the morning when you wake up, that's when you've got your most energy. And um, we are not nocturnal animals. Yeah. <laughs> I know Cabby 007 has done a little series on, um, on nighttime work. I commend him for that <laughs> because um, I, I'll do nighttime sporadically, but it's not really my thing. Um, I like to um, yeah, wake up with the, with the birds and the bees and um, yeah, get, home, get home before lunch. Cabby, what about yourself? Is there any, any preferred time of day? Or? So, I, 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 since coming back into the game, because I started, I got my license uh, at the end of November, mm-hmm. so I've been in the industry before, so I know sort of the peaks and troughs, the, the sort of the way the private hire rolls around the calendar. Um, so, going into uh, December, I thought, okay, I'm going to do nights through December, go back on days in January, but I've stayed on. Generally, it's pretty good. I was I was expecting a, a worse time called the Kipper season, as the black cabbies call it. But it was I found it pretty good. I found the end of uh, February, March, worse really than January for me as a full time driver. Whether you work days or nights, I think the biggest problem that drivers have, or what they should be doing, is to be thinking more of this as a business rather than as a job, because. Rather than working, do I work days or do I work nights? You want to work at the periods where it's busiest the most and take the time off when it's not busy. So there may be periods of time where you do work seven days a week because that's peak period and you should be doing that. And there's other periods of time where you could be playing three or four days a week or five days a week if you want to do a week. But a lot of drivers don't do that. They just, okay, I'm going to work seven till five or seven till two and that's going to be my shifts every day. Well, there are going to be periods of that, of that time where that's going to be no good to do that. You should waste your time sitting there in the car. So a lot of drivers don't think that way, and they should. And over the course of the year, there's a, there's a, there's a role of, of peaks and troughs that you should be working along. So, so how does summer work? So obviously you've got people so from the city go through, normally leaving, but then you've got an influx of tourists. Well, do, you, do, you, do you find that's the case? Or let's go through the calendar. So you've got the start of January. Mm-hmm. Usually you've got a drop-off in January because it's quiet. So the first working week is not to the first Monday when everyone's back to work. And that starts the little pick-up from there. Then you get, then it's generally pretty quiet at the weekends. It's not really, not really worth week, working the weekends uh, through January. So Blue, you, Blue Monday. Was it Blue? No, oh, there's that day of the year. That's the, the, the day where people have the least amount of money. Black anyway, I'll, I'll remember it. It's a sum point. And talk about money through January. January, January, in January, people pay their pay what they paid they did for Christmas. February's when they've caught up, and March is really where they they're really ready to go Recovered. party again. Yeah. Yes. So January is is a pretty dull period. Then you build up to February, and people get paid. And you got up till February fourteenth. You got Valentine's. Everyone loves that. Uh, and then you get the drop again till the end of March, and then you get a pick up from the March, which is a really good month. I've shown on my, ch- on my channel recently that March is always a good weekend when people get paid, and I, I had a great weekend. So, and then you've got uh, rolled into Easter, which moves around as we know, and Easter's always a bad time. Uh, you, you're hearing drivers now this week saying, oh, it's really quiet, it's really quiet. Yeah, well, of course it is, because people go away on holiday. Uh, this week, the kids go back the, on Tuesday, but you've still got the people that haven't got kids that are still away and not back till next Monday. Sure. 
So then, then you roll through through, through summer. Summer is usually pretty good because people are out enjoying themselves. They've got money. They're they're, they're, they're happy. You know, new loves, good boys, girlfriends, and stuff like that. For some of us. And then you get, <laughs> and then you get August, which is bad because everyone yeah. goes away. And then you come into September, and then you've got September to push till Christmas. You've got a little lull over half term in October, but it's usually not that too bad because not many people go away. And then October through to December, you bang it in on night shifts because then all the parties are happening. So that's generally the calendar. Does that affect where the, the work is, let's say, in zone one or two, or is it? does it change, you know, with, with maybe tourists being predominantly in, in central London in the summers? Would you find there's more work around there, or does it does it, does it really just differ depending on what on what's happening on that particular day? Yeah, it, it, there's there's times to be at the airport and take the work from the tourists uh, coming into London and the hotels and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and that's generally over the summer period. Um, and there's times where you don't do that sort of work, like in December. It's not you really be more into the city of London and, and the West End, picking sure. up picking up the uh, the people that have enjoyed themselves and hopefully dodging a few of those bullets. Yeah, and um, it's also worth mentioning that um, as as you're working, um, if you're working for Uber specifically, um, your work can take you outside of the M25. So it's also worth bearing in mind that there is ample work um, on the border towns, you know, yeah. um, on the perimeter of Are you talking about cross-hiring? I'm not talking about cross hiring. I'm talking about <laughs> Grey area, grey area. <laughs> grey area, but there's, there's ample work out there. Um, and you may not be um, liked by the local cab firms up there, I'll have you know. Um, however, um, that work, I, I prefer to work um, in like zones four and zones five and outward. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that, that, that works quite well for me. Um, the benefits are you've got like long, straight, fast roads. Um, there's limited speed humps, no width restrictions. Um, Traffic's really, really light. Um, on the downside, you may have to travel um, maybe up to three miles to get to your job, but that, that, that job might take you for 10 miles, and you might do 10 miles in 15 minutes, you know, if you, if you get yourself a good run. And if you're doing long runs, um, like all day or all night, then um, at, the end of, at the end of your shift, you should have a nice wedge of cash. While we had the... Uh, wedge. Nice wedge. While we had the Extinction Rebellion uh, protests going on, I kept out of London as much as possible. And I, I stayed in the Kent boroughs, like Bromley, Orpington, within the M25. In the Kent boroughs? Yeah, in the Kent boroughs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's all London boroughs. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> so uh, I stayed in all those areas. Uh, like you say, the jobs were further apart, but you know you'd run three, four miles for a job. Mm-hmm. But generally, the job's going three, four miles anyway. So yes. it, you had a bit of dead mileage, but it was better to do that than go and sit in Hyde Park, which I did on day one, and, and for an hour, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, wasting money. Yes, there's just no point. So when, when, that's the beauty of. Well, you have, to, you have to say it's the beauty of Uber yes. is that they are so big that you can go anywhere in the London or surrounding boroughs of London and the work's there. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One thing I'd like to kind of point out is that because of the introduction of Uber, um, it, it's kind of changed the game in the sense that a lot of people were taking um, minicabs where they might have not been doing that beforehand. So, for example, 
you might not have had the black cabs around on the outskirts of London. So, for example, in, in Barnet or, or Hendon or Harrow mm-hmm. or whatever. And therefore, the, you know, it's opened up a whole new market to, for, for, for new riders that might have not been there, let's say, five or six years ago. Most definitely. Um, traditionally. Is that, uh, is, sorry, is that because of... Is that because of the amount, the amount of vehicles of uh, the arm and the Uber, or is that because of the price and it's so cheap to get? I think, I think, it, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, so, I agree. So looking back, um, prior to app-based services and Uber specifically, um, were you, you born in? If, if, <laughs> I'm an old man. Yeah, getting there, getting there. I'm 40 years old, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but when I when I was younger um, and um, all of the um, Minicabs were like local firms. You would, and you was out in a in a different area to to your own area. You would have to ask somebody for the local minicab number, and then you would call them up, and then you're having to try and explain where you are, and then they'll tell you like a, ten minutes, for example. It's like a different world, isn't yes, it? Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, so you wait ten minutes. No, the car doesn't turn up. So you say, okay, I'll give it another five minutes, and the car doesn't turn up. So you ring the company back up, and they're like, oh yeah, 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 in ten minutes, ten minutes, ten minutes. Then you just end up waiting for this car to come, you know, and the car comes like about 20, 25 minutes later. But um, that's the way things work. Or you walk down to the local minicab um, office and you jump in a car. And then, and then you, nav- you navigate for the driver to where you want to go. Because um, quite typically they didn't know um, the, the area that you was going to and the local rat runs in, in your local area. So you'll be the navigator for your minicab driver a lot of the time. Yeah, but we you have to get around. You have to keep it real. And that back in the in the day, you, I was charging five pound minimum fare in the local minicab company, and here we are in twenty nineteen, still charging five pound minimum fare. Yeah, and, you know, and, and the difference back then was you could drive an old banger and you get higher reward insurance from the bloke down the road who was cheap as chips. But now we're all expected to drive around in a brand new vehicle, paying quite. A lot of charges now. We've got Most ULEs definitely. now. We've got congestion charge, mm-hmm. and now it's, it's five pound of still five pound minimum fare. In, 20, in 2019, we should be above two pound per mile. Yes, you know, and, and you say that the, the customer of a Vivan customer broke my heart when he turned around and said to me, "You know, I used to get the train, but now I, I use Vivan. I buy I buy a Vivan pass." Is that a subscription model? Yeah, yes. and he gets he's, he's so many so many rides at sure. a, yeah, a discounted price. Yeah. So I said, but you're one person in one car. If everyone done that, the roads would move. Mm-hmm. That's what trains are for. <laughs> you know, I think, but, it, but he said five rounds cheaper because, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, look, price definitely plays a, a key part in this. Um, you know, people obviously want to find the cheapest way to get from A to B. But I do think accessibility is definitely, a, and efficiency is a key thing here as well. So, you know, where where it might have been a lot harder to get a minicab out in the sticks five, six years ago, now it's just a tap of a button, you yeah. know, two, three minutes, it comes to a house and takes you from A to B. I think, yeah, well, the problem is that we've got, we've got technologies moved on way faster than regulation and regulation no, is always slow and TFL if you're listening you know they're always Hopefully. they're all sl- they're slow in everything they do you know it, even just applying for your license takes some people you know three four five months you hear yeah, six months you know, yes, the delays in getting your uh, when those drivers that already got a license getting their next license on taxi and private hire mm-hmm. delays you know so uh, uh, it just just breaks my heart that 
the prices that we're driving at now to where we should be. The taxi taxis, from you listen to the customers, taxis are too expensive. Private hire, in my opinion, is too cheap. So we need to change. Something needs to change to protect the black cabs because they're an icon of London. Of course. Yeah. Also, not to flood the private hire industry with cheap cheap vehicles because. There's a report saying there's lack of there's bus passengers of, of, of decreasing in London, and no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mention it, but they don't know what, why. Oh, people are cycling more. People are getting a walking. Well, I more. think that's the reason why TFL I probably. I think it's part of a reason, but I do think another reason is that private is so cheap now that people will call you up and they will get a car going half mm-hmm. mile down the road. Oh, I've had that on many occasions. Many occasions, yes. yeah. And it's just because it's so cheap. Yeah, and it's convenient. It's convenient yeah. and cheap. Yes. I can't confirm it, but I think definitely the TFL ex- extending to the, to the night tube and having this service, as def- you know, Uber and, and the app-based operators have definitely, definitely played a part in, in that happening pretty much quicker than they were probably anticipating. And therefore, you know, being able to get, get a tube now at 2 a.m. from Camden all the way up back to zone, zone 5 and 6 wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't a thing a few years ago now. But to no. be, be fair to Uber, since I joined in November... We've had three price increases. I think the race to the bottom in the industry is over. I think mm. now, with more apps coming in, there's a finite number of drivers. I mean, the, the, the number always seems to hover around between its peak. I think it's 125. Yeah. We're at 106 now, I think. But there's only 86,000 vehicles. So a lot of drivers, what are doing, they're coming into the industry. It's not working out for them. They've got a three-year oh, yeah. allocated license, but they're not working. Sure. Yeah. Do, do you not think that uh, with the new operators coming in, and there's obviously something we want to talk about in future episodes was about the new operators, um, that would then push the price back down again? Because obviously no, they're no, going to try I and get... I, I think the race, I say, I think the race... For the competition bottom, to ride for riders. My personal view, I think the, we've seen the race to the bottom is over. Um, because if other apps do come in and try and undercut Uber, the type of customer that goes for that is the type of customer that's currently on Viavan. You know? Bruv, Oxcod... That type of customer, which is not, not quite customer. sure what that is, but we'll, not, uh, not we'll move on. Not type of customer I'm talking about. Actually, that kind of leads well into some of the other questions that we were going to ask, which is kind of advice for the general community in itself. We obviously ask the community to give us their feedback and ask us their questions about things that come up on their day-to-day job and things that they want help dealing with. Um, so we thought it could be useful just to kind of pose those to you and just get your own takes on how you personally deal with that on a day-to-day drive. Go for it. Is that right? Yes, indeed. Drunk drivers. Drunk. Drunk, drunk, uh, drunk riders. Drunk riders. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you drink and drive? <laughs> <laughs> we do not advocate <laughs> drinking and driving <laughs> on this podcast. Absolutely indeed. not. Indeed. <laughs> so, um, in terms of um, intoxicated passengers, I've got a, I've got a policy. Um, I generally um, keep my... Um, eyes alert on my mirrors and looking out the windows when I pull up at a pickup location and um, if I see a rider or passenger who is unable to walk unaided to my vehicle um, they're just not going to get in it's not really worth my time and my effort Um, what I don't want is someone getting in my car and then 10 minutes later they're, I mean, spewing their guts up in my car, and then I'm I'm out for the day. I've never had anyone being sick in my car because I've employed this policy from from day dot. I have. And how do, how do you how do you deal with the confrontation that might come with that? I mean, do you, do you just kind of ignore them and kind of you know put one hand up nah, to cover uh, your face and just drive no, off, or what, like because they, they, they're going to come towards you, aren't yeah, they? they? Yeah, they're going to come towards me. Um, if if I'm not too sure, like if it's um, late in the evening and um, lighting's an issue, 
Um, I'll lock my doors, but then I'll get out my driver's side door, get out my door, and I mean, I'll, I'll talk to the passenger. Smart. You know? mm-hmm. And um, if they're looking worse or where, I'm just telling them they're not getting in, because the other door's going to be locked anyway, unless they're going to be jumping yeah. in the driver's seat, they're not getting in the car. Um, they may be a confrontation, but um, I'm a big lad, um, so it never really goes anywhere. And um, we just try to, I mean, I try and tell them to like call off for another 10 minutes or have a glass of water or spew their guts up. You know, Uber account holder put yes. a passenger in my car, mm-hmm. a rider, and um, I had my sick bag. Yeah, which, and she filled it up. So she oh. she uh, was very very handy in testing my uh, my sick yes. bags, which I was thankful for. <laughs> but then I asked her to leave the vehicle and take the bag with her. She nearly left it in the, in the car. Oh. But so yeah, so you just generally you just keep on night shifts, keep your doors locked. Yeah. Uh, if you if you if you're stopping out somewhere, stop a few feet short, so you, they have to walk to you. Indeed. And then if they if they've got a wobble, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. My 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 response is always, I'm sorry, you're too drunk to travel. Mm-hmm. You know. And what what about rude drivers? Rude riders. Rude riders. Rude riders. Um, so so, so, so I'm, I'm going to say, generally speaking, he's he's he's, he's, he's talking about drivers. Yeah. Okay. So generally speaking, um, from my personal experience, most passengers. Um, that I've had in my vehicle over the years that I've been driving, um, they have been generally pleasant. Sometimes when people are not in the mood, they just don't talk. Um, sometimes um, when people do get rude is when you have to take an alternative route because um, we're driving, um, we've got sat-navs, um, so we, we can see where the traffic is and we may take alternative routes. So what I've learned is if you are going to um, divert from, from the usual route, let your passenger know what you're doing and the reasons why you're doing it and it just right. makes everything a lot um, sweeter and it makes the environment in your vehicle a lot more pleasant. Um, people who use private hire services on a regular basis to go uh, maybe from home to work or vice versa, um, they've got their usual route. Um, they may not know about um, roadworks or traffic building up on any particular day and um, they may scorn you like really, really hard if you divert from from their usual route, and a lot of people have preferred routes, um, so I'd like to. I'd like to. I've actually put it on my um, on my profile on the um, Uber driver app um, that if you have a preferred route, um, let us know in advance. Have you found that any riders have complained, even th- even if they might not be in the wrong, and you've just gone the route yeah. which is most efficient at the time? They might have yes. complained subsequently about that. And oh yeah, uh, most definitely. H- how have you dealt with that? Most definitely. Um, well, they they usually leave feedback. Um, you probably get um, like a, a report. I know, yes. I know Kevin Dale like, 7 gets them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, but they, they'll leave a report about, um, was it poor route choice? I've not had a poor route choice. Yes, you have. Have I? have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly yeah. pays. Yeah. I yeah. think it's, the thing to come back in the industry that surprises me is that yeah, you got a sat nav, but they got a sat nav in the back as well, and the, the, yeah. you know they're watching their sat nav, and you have to you have to tell them if you're te- like you say if you tell them to turn mm-hmm. through, you have to be very vocal about why you're doing it because yeah. they're sitting there looking at it. You take a right turn, and the the, the sat nav saying go straight on, you took the wrong turn. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And then it, then you're yeah. on the back foot. Yeah. So yeah. it's always best to be proactive. Most definitely. Yeah. Have you ever been tempted to kick someone out of your? Yeah, car? all the time. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm the king of the book out. <laughs> keep, keep, keep it civil, yeah. <laughs> please. I mean, you get you get on Uber, you get star rated. I never had on Addison Lee. We never had star ratings. Addison Lee, um, to be fair, 
if the driver had a problem with the passenger, they always took the driver's point of view first. Um, whereas on Uber, it's the other way around. The passenger is always right and you're wrong until proven otherwise. So, but I've just recently done something on my YouTube about this, but if you ever have a problem with a customer, because on my first weekend, I had a problem with a pool passenger who wanted to beat me up. And I dealt with it very professionally, you know, uh, and I phoned Uber straight away, and Uber were great. And ever since then, the only problem I get, I phone Uber straight away. And if you phone them, I've never been suspended. I've never, I've, and I've had, you know, I say, that passengers to try to fight me. I've had other passengers being rude. I've kicked them out of the car. Mm-hmm. But I've always called Uber straight away. And if you tell them first and get your story in first, they're, they're, they will support you. It's the, it's the drivers that don't phone, or if they've had a problem, they don't. They think, oh, I won't worry about that. I won't phone Uber. But then Uber suspends you while they're investigating this issue because you haven't told them. I think that is a standard policy to suspend, or I say investigate, because if, if there is a kind of serious offence, they wouldn't want that driver to continue working. Let's say it is true, for example, you know, something happened, yes. physical altercation or something. That That's pretty wise. So, yeah, maybe maybe your, t- your, your tip is, is the right way to go about things, to, yeah. to, to kind of take the lead. Take the lead, definitely, definitely take the lead. Mm. Um, but I'm, but also I'm pretty much old school. Is that I'll you, if you talk to me and respect me, I'll talk to and respect to you. But if you're rude to me, five stars or one star, don't pay don't pay the rent. You know I, I'm a four point nine four rated driver over four months. You know, gig guys four point nine nine. But um, stunning. But you know. I'm pretty direct with customers, and I'm still a high-rated high driver. You don't need to worry about your rating as long as you're in the right, yeah. you know, and protect yourself. If the customer's rude in the car, just cancel the trip. They can't rate you if they can't, if you cancel the trip, you know. If, if When you drive to a passenger, and the passenger phones you up and says, where are you? Why are you taking so long? Well, being rude, I mean, for me, that's, thank you very much. I'll be there soon. Put the phone down, cancel the ride. Yeah. Protect your rating, you know. At the end of the day, you want to be earning money. You want to have a nice, fun fun night working and no problems. But if customers are in the car and or, or prior to getting to that customer, if you think it's going to be a problem, you need to protect your rating and protect but your yeah. position. Right? But, but talking about ratings, um, obviously that wasn't the case in the past and it is now. And, you know, there's so much emphasis placed on, you know, must have a high rating, you know, because obviously all the operators want you to be of a really high standard. How do you think that's affected your day-to-day role? Customers are not aware that the rating system is pretty brutal uh, from a from a driver's point of view. When I, even as a passenger myself, um, I used to rate drivers three, four star. But now I'm a driver, and I now realise that's a disaster. Mm-hmm. If every passenger got in your car and rated you four star over five hundred rides, you'd lose your job because you'd drop below four point five zero. Is that the cut off point? point? Yeah. Okay. In London, it's cut off point four point five zero. So. And when you tell new passengers, because when you pick up a five-star passenger, generally it's a passenger that's pretty new. Um, and generally, I don't know, the, generally the pin's in the wrong location. I proved this in my video recently. Um, they're new to the app, they don't know how yeah. it works. So you have to give them an education on how, how it all works. That's what I do. I give them a rundown on how it all works. So, so other drivers are protected, mm-hmm. and you're protected. Right? Is there a cut-off point for passengers? No. We've on, In our WhatsApp group, we've seen people two-point... Something, yeah. yeah, and you wouldn't pick him up, I assume. Or, oh, oh, personally, unless... I don't pick up no one below a 4.0. Really, I, I have a different view. Uh, I have done recently. Go gig, London. So, I don't look at ratings. Um, what I initially found is um, people who have pets 
or people who may be um, homosexual, um, they tend to have lower ratings, just generally speaking. Um, so I don't look at passenger ratings anymore because I think they're, they're quite biased and um, drivers um, come from different cultures and different faiths and have different views about different people and um, it's the drivers who are rating the passengers. So um, I, don't, I don't look at ratings. Um, I mean, I've, I've, got, I've had people come in the car and they're like, oh, I've always been good, blah, blah, blah. It might have been that one time when I was, when I was feeling unwell or I fell asleep in the car and my rating dropped like tremendously. Um, but yeah, if somebody's two minutes away and there's no other job and, I mean, coming up, I'm gonna take that job. You know? And as I said before, people are genuinely really nice. Um, no, I did, I, that, think, I did that just recently though. Go for it. I, I, I said I don't pick up by a 4.0, but just this week I picked up a 3.93. But <laughs> 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 I was out of the way. I, I was in the street, I was dropping off. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to turn a job down in the street. I'm in in a location that I'm not likely to get a job. Yes. So I took the job. It was a woman from South Africa. Okay. And she'd just come into the country mm-hmm. and she thought her, 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 her rating was great. So I don't know what the rating's like in South Africa, but here yeah, that's not really acceptable. Yeah. In my, in my yeah, did, did he give her any issues? She, no, she was no. great. She was fantastic. I even, I even said to her, I, I explained it all to her, what, what, I'm, saying, what I'm saying <laughs> to you. But generally, if it's a, if it's a, a Londoner, and you picking up someone that's like four point one or four point two, you know, you they are generally a pain. A pain, in my experience. In your experience, yes, mm-hmm. indeed. But everyone's experiences are different. Yeah. So, well, um, I'm a four point eight, just putting it out there <laughs> as a passenger. That's, that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I could get on a cab with either of you. I'm, I think I'm four point seven eight. Oh God, something like that. I think, um, yeah. What about that person who comes in your car and the first thing that they say is, "Can I play my music?" How do you guys feel about that? Yes. Mm. Go for it. No. Seven. I'm not really into that, especially not into someone saying, "Can I use your Bluetooth?" Definitely a no, and in the Kia in the Kia Nero, you can't set it while driving anyway. So and that's why I drive a Kia Nero. But uh, yeah, you, it's generally the younger generation when they get in the car, uh, and they t- they take offence if you say no to Oxcord, no to Bluetooth, but you can choose a radio station. Yeah, but they they don't like that. But yeah, that's that's where most of my bad ratings come from, mm. is from not providing the Oxcord. To, uh, to I'll provide range. an Oxcord. Yeah, I bought one. I offset it against my tax, so that's what you think, really. Um, so I don't really have a problem with people playing their music, and it's sometimes um, it's quite nice to hear other people's music. You know, um, people surprise you a lot. I had this um, this um, I'd say um, middle class um, elderly elderly lady who was playing gangster rap in my car, and she she gave she schooled me on gangster rap and the, the history of gangster rap. Which I found was quite phenomenal, but it's, it's nice. Um, I discovered new artists when I um, listen to other people's music. Um, I've got a playlist that I play, I play the same playlist every day for the last like four years. I, I kind of love it. I, I add to it um, by listening to uh, other people's music, and if it kind of fits in with with the music that I play, I'll add a few tunes. I have a, I have a separate tune. I put Capital on Friday and Saturday night, and the rest of the time it's Magic. I, I just can't. I can't. I can't stand radio adverts. So um, I don't. I don't particularly like playing playing the radio um, when I'm driving. The one thing I can't stand, but you have to do it because the passion it says. Mm-hmm. When you're, when someone gets in the car and they say, "Can you turn the radio off?" and you're in a car for an hour with someone, pure silence. Pure silence <laughs> because they want peace and quiet. Yeah, I. I Which you have to respect. I totally. Um, I, I. I totally. Concur. And generally, you get a tip from. I get a tip from those people. Yeah. But 
but usually during the, during the ride, yeah. Like, oh. Usually, that, sometimes that happens. Um, like quite a few trips when I do in the morning, people would they start their working day when they jump on their laptop in the back of your vehicle. So um, yeah, I respect that. You know, or sometimes people just ask you to lower your music a little bit. But um, yeah, I've got quite a few um, 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 comments about um, the music in my car, and people were always shazamming my music. So. I think, I think that's where I get most of my tips from, actually, just creating that ambience in the car. So, um, kind of just as a sort of wrap-up thing for people that are just kind of some quick questions for people that are more interested in kind of you guys okay. um, yes. and who you guys are. Um, I just have a couple of questions. Your favourite car? So, Kia <laughs> <Pete> Nero. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I knew it. <laughs> well, my favourite car is probably a Lamborghini, but um, it's not really practical not, for, for not, the line of work I'm doing. Um, I, um, I chose the Prius because everyone else is driving a Prius, and um, that choice, um, I think I made the right choice at the time when I um, started my career as a private hire driver. Um, Toyota Prius is, they're, they're, they're almost bulletproof. Um, I've, I mean, other than having the bulb blowing. I mean, occasionally. The Prius um, has got a bad rep, but it's great. You just, can't, great you just can't get over the fuel yeah. efficiency. There's it, it, no other car can beat it. If you want to, if you want to save money f- while working, mm-hmm. you get the Prius. Most definitely, yeah. It's, it's, the, the Prius is it's spacious. It's got um, ample boot space for lots of luggage. And there's good leg room as well. Okay. Not only for the driver, but And you can see the Cabby 007 Toyota Prius review. Okay, a, little, a, little, a little cheeky plug there. Yeah, <laughs> What about the, the the new shape Prius? I know you've got the the, the older one. Um, the new Prius. shape Prius. Um, I've driven. I've had I've had the opportunity to drive one. Um, they are more fuel efficient than um, the vehicle I have, but um, I do not like the interior. I don't like um, the whole setup. The, the the gear stick is in the wrong place. Mm. Um, they 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 um, got rid of the the center console, uh, which kind of kept me kind of separate from everybody else. And it looks really ugly. Uh, it might be aerodynamic. They, they have changed the rear LED lights. I will point it out. There's, there's the new version which has come out literally okay. this March. So it looks yes. a bit looks a bit nicer, a bit more fresh. Yeah, than I, the, I don't. That, yeah, I still don't. We'll show it to you sometime. Like the, uh, the the Nero has got the island in the middle, and I definitely like being separated. Yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, and it gives me a bit more um, storage space as well. But what, in, what, in what I really love. Is what we're really waiting for is an electric seven seater. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> that would be the car. Most definitely. That's the car that you want. You want it because you've got the opportunity to, to put the seats down for extra luggage, more passengers, uh, cheap to run. That is the car we're waiting for, really. Well, we'll, we'll bring that up in the um, electric car episode. That's going to be coming up quite soon as well. So we'll definitely try and touch on that and do a bit of research beforehand. Wonderful. Are <laughs> you guys into football? Do you have a favourite football club? No, Formula One. Formula One, I love you. I don't really watch. I don't. I don't have a TV license. I don't watch TV. Um, He's too busy working. <laughs> no, no, not even. Not even. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't follow a team at all. Um, I like. I like. I like. Um, I, I will watch um, athletics. Um, probably in a bar or something. Although I don't even drink. But um, if I go to a friend's house, I'll, I'll watch the athletics if I, if I have the opportunity to. But um, generally, I don't follow any sport. Um, I prefer to listen to music and I prefer to read. In a nutshell, kind of, um, Warning. obviously... No GPS signal. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> Who's driving? <laughs> um, in a nutshell, obviously, it seems like 
with that flexibility every single day is kind of different but yeah if you were to sum it up what would be a good day for you and what would be a bad day for you generally 300 pounds in five hours that's a great day for me <laughs> okay straight um, to it i love it yeah, good day would be um just having job after job after job yeah. without any breaks you know bang, i'll call it bang yeah. bang yeah, you, you, you just want bang, 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 yeah. bang, and stress-free, stress-free passenger, uh, passengers. Yes. Yeah, stress-free yeah. passengers. Um, Those and tips. Yeah, yeah. staying away from traffic and a yeah. few motorway runs would be ideal. Maybe, maybe a rematch at the airport. Unfortunately, London's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that'll be that'll be my ideal. Yeah, just just job after job, generally on a day-to-day basis. Um, I don't. I mean, um, this is this is um, additional work for me. Um, so I don't really want to be sitting on the road all day. Um, I try to go out um, when the conditions are favourable for me. And um, yeah, I want job after job. I want to make um, as much money as I can in as little time as as um, as possible. I think any driver, what's, what they want to do is when they come out to work, mm-hmm. they want to come out to work. Yeah. They don't want to come out and sit around. Exactly. So you just want to come out, earn your money and go home in the, in the shortest hours as possible. Yeah. And sometimes it's not always possible, you know. Mileage versus pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's uh, that's all we have time for today, guys. Thank you so much uh, to our guest, Gig Guy London and Cabby 7 and of course to you, the listener, for tuning in. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please do subscribe and also review us so we can get up higher in the rankings. So other other drivers can also uh, tune in as well. We'll be here every week discussing a variety of different topics, so stay tuned. Uh, If you also have anything to contribute or want us to cover any topics, then please do reach out on our Facebook or Twitter handle at AutocarUK. We're open to all ideas that can help the private hire community. So thank you very much, stay safe, and have a great week. Mm